0: Locked Talk Radio. There is a watchman on
1: the wall Bringing forth the written word of God to one and all Are you getting ready? Will you stand around?
2: This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We are living in a most amazing, intriguing, uh, critical time in the history of the world. There's no doubt about it. And with all the information moving out throughout the earth, you and I have begun to understand, I hope, that there's a lot of deception in the world today. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. And praise God. Every man has a voice, every woman has a voice, every person has a voice to speak, and unfortunately, we live in a world where people speak things that are coming out of their own imagination, they're coming out of their own mind, and I think that could be very easy for just about anybody to do that, but you and I have learned that if we, by the Holy Spirit, can speak out from the Word of God to let God be true and every man a liar, we will be okay. We will be able to understand the times that we are living in. So I am going to go into the word today in uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And my purpose is to take everything that we've been saying, everything that we've been hearing, the things that are being said, the things that we are hearing and sift them through the word of God. We want to sift them through the word of God. So I'm going to very quietly very softly. Tone it down, way, way down. I want to invite you to grab your Bible this morning and go on a journey with me because I believe this is critical. Uh, We're hearing this everywhere in our hearts, our minds, our conversations here at home, and we want to make sure that we get this right, okay? So without further ado, I want to begin this morning um, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13 the book of ezekiel chapter 13 and so without further ado welcome to the broadcast and here we go i'm going to take this and i'm going to be reading out of the living translation and when it comes to the old testament if you want to call it that right the, uh what we uh, call the old testament uh, I'm, I'm very good with that and there's even some scriptures i want to read in the uh, new testament out of those living translation today you can do the homework and by the way i just wanted to make sure uh, we will be putting the prayer line up there again today make sure people have an opportunity to pray uh, or receive prayer Um, and it's already begun to work so we praise god for that and um i just uh, here's what i want us to do today i want us to put on the full armor of god i want us to cover our hearts and our minds Um, this is God's will for our lives, and that we can receive information from the Holy Spirit. And one thing I've learned in my life, and I've got a lot more to learn, but the one thing I've learned is that the Holy Spirit never speaks apart from the Word of God. Uh, When somebody gets something from the Holy Spirit, man, there's got to be two or three witnesses in the Word. Um, Let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And so if the Holy Spirit's telling you something, make sure you check it with the Word of God. Um, Very, very important to do. I remember walking through the park in 2003, and I heard in my spirit, as clear as you could hear my voice right now, and the unction was there, and the spirit said, do not pray for America anymore. Rather, pray for my people that are in this nation to navigate through the days ahead. Well, I heard it. It was so clear, but I immediately referred to the word of God. Is there any place in God's word where God says not to pray for people? And sure enough, in Jeremiah, three times God told the prophet Jeremiah, do not pray for this people. I will not hear you. And then Jesus said, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for mine who are in the world. So there was a witness to what I heard, and I believe that's super important for us today because there's a lot of deception. The fact of the matter is there is a lot of deception. Deception, if we're not careful, can come out of our own mouths even though it's unintended deception we can we can receive it into our hearts and not intending to be deceived but we can be and so we live in such a critical time in spiritual warfare that our heart and mind must be in a position to receive from the holy spirit and to remember that satan comes as an angel of light satan comes as an angel of light okay And so you have to have a conviction in your own spirit as to who you are in Christ. I need to have a conviction in my spirit as to who I am in Christ. And we need to be drawing out of the word of God, especially in these last days, because these are the days that Jesus said the very first thing when he was commenting on the end times. He said deception. He said many false teachers, many false Christs, many false prophets are going to arise. So I want to deal with this issue. And I want to begin in Ezekiel chapter 13. There's a thousand different places that we could launch out on this discussion today. But Holy Spirit last night gave this. Okay, so I want to share it with you today. And then we're going into the New Testament and then we're going to have a conversation about it. So and again, for those of you wanting to see Brian and Kathy, we were told last week that they needed two weeks to get settled in. So hopefully next Wednesday, they'll be joining us on the air. So let's not forget about our dear friends and missionaries, Brian and Kathy, who are now in the great state of Tennessee. And uh, don't forget Pastor Kevin Honeycutt, uh, who has uh, recently lost his beloved wife after 34 years, uh, keeping their, them in prayer and God lifting them up and releasing and Walk through with them in prayer. God bless you for doing so. And um, remember them that are sick. Remember those that are uh, in need. Those that have needs. uh, Just remember the poor. Remember the suffering. Remember people that are not as fortunate, perhaps, as you and I are today. And let us be reminded and find ways to help them. You know, I I want to tell you something before I get into this Bible study. Um, We are content with what God gives to us in our lives, but every once in a while needs come in our direction. And there's a lot of needs. People need places to live. They need homes. They need food. They need shelter. They're both men. They're both women. And, you know, our ministry has done everything it knows to do throughout the years to provide everything we possibly can into the needs of the saints. One of the things I would really like to accomplish um, is to purchase land and be able to take care of people that are homeless and have no food and have no shelter and have no clothing. Uh, we have a, a, an organization. It's called United Christian Charities. And through United Christian Charities, we have, uh, this is a 501c3 nonprofit public benefit corporation uh, with the tax exemption status from the IRS. This is United Christian Charities. This is not our church. This is not any of that. But this organization, it was designed to prepare for disaster relief. It was designed for uh, taking care of the widow and the orphan. And um, it's it's here. It's available. We don't speak much about it. Uh, There was a time a few years ago where it was activated, and we fed over 60,000 families right here in northwest Arkansas, and we just ran out of steam. Uh, We ran out of help. We didn't have enough help to get that, to keep it going. Uh, we were in uh, alignment with the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank. We would get, we would purchase food for from them uh, at a decent price, and then we would fill our pantry. And then people would come all week long, and we fed sixty thousand families. And um, <clears throat> afterwards, people, like I said, we just ran out of the ability to continue going on. But that organization is still there, and I I would w- imagine that a day would come where somebody would donate a million dollars into United Christian Charities, they'd get their tax exempt status and then United Christian Charities would buy land and begin to build little shelters. And then people that have needs uh, that are truly, you know, that God brings into our sphere of influence. uh, We could bring them to a place where there's, you know, oversight. uh, There's Bible study. um, There's work to do, take care of the cows and the chickens and, you plant the gardens and, you know, build little structures with their talents. <clears throat> I believe that there are a lot of homeless people that have pretty decent skills and they're just treasures that are buried in, you know, the conditions that they're in. So that, you know, it's not where we're going today, but it's definitely something that we should always be considering. Uh, people that are just less fortunate, people that are finding themselves in places and, Uh, Maybe you and I at some time in our life were in a place where we just needed help and there was some place to go. I know it's not without challenge. I know that taking care of homeless people or people uh, that are in dire needs, people are different uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, personally, they're different. Um, But Jesus is the same and he's the one that reaches out and we should be his hands and his feet. And As far as our church is concerned, we do the best we can to help everybody we can when the need rises. Um, United Christian Charities, pray about that. UCC, um, because there's a lot of work we can do, not just for people that are, you know, refusing to, you know, get along, but people that are really hurting, people that are really suffering and really need help. Um, We want to be there for them. So we'll talk about that on another day. Um, It's important. Um, Ezekiel chapter 13, Ezekiel chapter 13. Here we go. You ready? Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the false prophets of Israel who are inventing their own prophecies. Say to them, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all? O people of Israel, these prophets of yours are like jackals digging in the ruins They have done nothing to repair the breaks in the walls around the nation. They have not helped it to stand firm in battle on the day of the Lord. Instead, they have told lies and made false predictions. They say this message is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to them or even though the Lord never sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their prophecies. Can your visions be anything but false if you claim this message is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to you? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because what you say is false, And your visions are a lie. I will stand against you, says the sovereign Lord. I will raise my fist against all the prophets who see false visions and make lying predictions. And they will be banished from the community of Israel. I will blot their names from Israel's record books, and they will never again set foot in their own land then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. This will happen because these evil prophets deceive my people, saying, all is peaceful, and when there is no peace at all. It is as if the people have built a flimsy wall And these prophets are trying to reinforce it by covering it with whitewash. Tell these whitewashers that their wall will soon fall down. A heavy rainstorm will undermine it. Great hailstones and mighty winds will knock it down. And when the wall falls, the people will cry out, What happened to your whitewash? Well, let's have a little bit of a conversation before I proceed ezekiel chapter 13 verses 1 to 13 so far what is god saying is happening in the land of israel well if we go back to that time there was nothing but judgment in the land there was there was nothing but problems but these false prophets were coming to the people and telling them everything is going to be all right everything is fine peace and yet there was no peace to be found because God was bringing his judgment through whatever mechanism he chose upon the people because of their sin. So the people were building a flimsy wall and a wall always represents salvation. When the Bible talks about walls, walls are for protection. Walls are for defense. Walls are always speaking of salvation. And so if you would take this message about the people building a flimsy wall, it was a false sense of security. It's kind of like the message of the gospel that's taught today about our salvation. It's so flimsy, the wall that they're building, the salvation that they're teaching, that it won't stand in the day of conflict or pressure. But what the false prophets do to the flimsy gospel, the salvation that's taught that's so greasy, if you will, is they whitewash it to make it look like a solid wall. So whenever a preacher or a teacher or a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or any minister or anybody that meets up with an individual who is double-minded, lukewarm, compromised, and says to them, you're saved, your salvation, and that's about as flimsy as it gets, and then they whitewash it with, you know, whatever they use to make them feel or look like they're saved. But in reality, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, no, this wall is no good. This wall is going to fall. This whitewashed wall that the false prophets have whitewashed, making you believe that you're saved, that it's strong enough, it's not saved. Now, in the New Testament, we know that Jesus said that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. We know that the scriptures teach us that there will be a defecting from the truth, a an apostasy, a falling away. We know that there are people that have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were filled with the Holy Spirit and partakers of the of the powers of the world to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance is impossible so we have all this biblical information about many will come to me in that day and say Lord Lord we've done all these things in your name and he says I don't know you in other words their salvation was never real their salvation was never solid the wall that they built the salvation that they took in was never solid it was not a Substantial defense. It was not a, a a protection. It was not a salvation from the storms of life. No, they had built a flimsy wall. False prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, whoever came in and daubed that wall with whitewash. They made it look like it was really good, but it was a facade. This is exactly what Ezekiel, God, is telling Ezekiel to say to the children of Israel because these false prophets were telling them everything's going to be okay. Now, it's obvious to me that we're living in the same kind of atmosphere today, that God is speaking to our nation for many, many years about the coming judgment, the coming storm, while many of the false prophets have been proclaiming peace and safety, a great revival, a great restoration. You know, it's all going to get really, really good. And the money is going to flow again, and all these things. And Donald Trump is coming back. And He's gonna lead the way. We hear this all the time. We hear this from one person after another whose prophecies, quite frankly, and at the level they were at, it makes it even more difficult for them. They failed in some of their prophecies about Donald Trump getting a second term, and they won't let it go, so they keep going, and the masses keep following them, and there's a reason for it. And yet there were a few that were saying, no, he's not gonna win the election. You know, Joe Biden's gonna win the election. God has revealed that to me. Donald J. Trump was a, an accelerant to accelerate end-time events, to fast-forward everything to where we are today. And so God was speaking judgment. You've murdered 90 million innocent babies. You've shed innocent blood. You have men marrying men and women marrying women. You are you're the blasphemy flowing out of Hollywood, the churches that are lukewarm, dumbed down. They don't want to hear. They shut down when a trial came in their direction. So the fruits of the prophets that were declaring the righteous judgment of God upon a nation and a church in the nation that has sinned grossly against the Lord, they, who have a flimsy salvation in their own hearts, it's flimsy. Their mentality is flimsy. Their emotion is flimsy. Their actions are flimsy. Their salvation is flimsy. It's not real. It's weak. And it's dangerous because when the storm does come, let's pick it up again in verse 13. In verse 13 of Ezekiel 13, therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will sweep away your whitewashed wall with a storm of indignation, with a great flood of anger, and with hailstones of fury. I will break down your wall right to its foundation, and when it falls, it will crush you. Again, walls represent salvation. There's a false salvation. There's a false security of the unbeliever who says they believe, but in action and fruit do not believe. Now, he went on to say, then will you know that I am the Lord. At last, my anger against the wall and those who covered it with whitewash will be satisfied. So God's anger is going to, you know, God doesn't like it when people take the potency of his son, who is salvation, Yeshua, Jesus, is our salvation. And when we, when we apply him and we make him weak and we make him flimsy and we make him lukewarm and double-minded and white, you know, when we when we lightly apply the finished work of Christ to our lives, when we make his atonement something light. Whenever we do that, God's not pleased with that. It's another, it's it's something that he never intended. He intended our salvation to be strong, solid, enduring, eternal, full. You know what I mean? So this is what, this is happening here. Verse 15, at last my anger against the wall and those who covered it with whitewash will be satisfied. Then I will say to you, The wall and those who whitewashed it are both gone. They were lying prophets who claimed peace would come to Jerusalem when there was no peace. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. All right, so I think this is pretty clear. It goes a little bit deeper, and we're going to get into the New Testament and examine this. Why? because how is your wall? How is my wall? Are we being protected and defended from the flood of iniquity that's being poured out on the nations of the earth? Is our wall of salvation, Jesus Christ, protecting us from lies, protecting us from deception? Is our wall of salvation, Jesus Christ, keeping the inside of our camp clean, Or is there defilement within? Is there seduction within? Is there carnality within? Is there flesh within? Undermining the purpose of God for the vessel. You know, a wall is to protect people from without, but it also, if there's something in there that's unclean, it conceals it. So is our wall concealing our iniquity? Do we have evil iniquity going on in our lives, secret sin behind closed doors, while proclaiming and looking like because of the whitewash we're saved? Well, this was a problem. And in the Old Testament, this is how it's put out. Now, he goes a little deeper, and he addresses the women. And in verse 17 of Ezekiel 13, uh, 13, Now, son of man, speak out against the women who prophesy from their own imaginations. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits you women who are ensnaring the souls of my people, young and old alike? You tie magic charms on their wrists, and furnish them with magic veils. Do you think you can trap others without bringing destruction on yourselves? You bring shame on me among my people for a few handfuls of barley or a piece of bread by lying to my people who love to listen to lies. You kill those who should not die And you promise life to those who should not live. Now, what does it mean to put magic charms upon the people on their wrist and then magic veils? It's a spell. What are you saying to these women prophets? And there's a lot of them out there on television and other places. And for a barley of beans, they get rich. They'll tell people what they want. And they have an ability to mutter a spell and and make it believe like it's God. And this is what God was saying. There are people preaching false prophets, women who are prophesying out of the imagination of their heart, and they're using magic. It's another spirit. It's a spirit of divination. It is not the Holy Spirit. What true prophets preach is the word of God that convicts men in the core of their heart of their sinful condition, and it breaks open. Light comes in and exposes all their darkness so that they can confess their sin and then repent. But today's gospel affords very little brokenness. It's all about fluff and stuff. It's all about, uh, you know, cuddling the sin in people's lives, telling people they're going to heaven even though their condition in their life is, you know, abstract, for example. Well, there's a lot of examples. I mean, and the examples range, uh, range from a to, a to Z. So before we get into that, now this is this is kind of disheartening here, this part of this. Um, In verse 19, you bring shame on me among my people for a few handfuls of barley or a piece of bread. So it's a shame against God to tell people lies and put them under a spell so that they're taking care of your needs. By lying to my people who love to listen to lies. Oh, that broke my heart. By lying to my people who love to listen to lies, you kill those who should not die, and you promise life to those who should not live. My people, God said, love listening to lies. And it's true. They say to the prophets, speak to us smooth things. Tell us things that we want to hear. Don't tell us things that are hard to hear in the new testament he's it's very clear people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears okay so the whole idea from god's perspective is that his people in that particular climate that ezekiel was in as they were into judgment and 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 in captivity and it was really really bad These guys are coming around telling them all this good stuff to make them feel, oh, oh, that feels so much better. Thank you. Keep telling me lies. And they love listening to the lies because it gave them some relief from the judgment and the conviction of what was happening to them. And today where people should be deeply convicted by their lifestyle and by what they're doing, they're stuck in the rut and they're not really able to get out of it because there's been no truth. That if you continue in this sin, you will surely die, and you will die a second death. You are not going to heaven if you live in practice in sin. And yet because people are afraid to teach that today, because you don't make a lot of friends and influence people that way, and you won't get rich by telling that truth, people love to be lied to. And isn't that kind of scary? They lie to my people who love to be lied to work perfect, but God had something to say about that. And by the way, He was telling them that should you know that He He was doing what? You kill those who should not die. In other words, the false prophets who preach peace and safety and seduce God's people actually kill the true prophets that are speaking the truth. The true prophets who are saying, "Repent of all your sin. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Turn." receive the atonement let the wall of your salvation be solid let it protect you from within and without repent Uh, tell the nation that is shedding innocent blood and committing abomination and blasphemy that its day of doom is coming well you see they they kill those people they hate them they ridicule them they put them down people love this right so god goes on to say those that should die you're keeping alive with your false visions and dreams People that are sinning, they're going to die. They should die for what they're doing, yet you keep telling them that peace and safety. Verse 20, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against all your magic charms, and there's a lot of magic in the body of Christ today in the church. You know, the general thing we call the church. I'm not talking about a remnant or an ecclesia of the true genuine body of Christ, but there is a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of new age, there's a lot of metaphysical thought, there's a lot of stuff that has been hijacked by the enemy, twisted and turned, and people are wanting to get in on it and feed on it, but it's not real, it's been turned around into a magic charm, or a magic veil, you know, you know, there's so many ideas, and I, I don't want to get into them, you know them, so he says, I'm against all your magic charms, which you use to ensnare my people like birds, I will tear them from your arms, setting my people free like birds set free from a cage. There are people that are ensnared in their souls because of the magic charms. And what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, when a false prophet or a false teacher tells people peace and safety when they're living in sin, their souls are in bondage to demons because their sin is a legal right for the enemy to come in and snare their souls so by false information peace and safety even though I sin I'm going to heaven even though I sin in reality behind the scenes in their soul they are captured they're in bondage they are tormented there's a conviction because the Holy Spirit would never go along with the program of go ahead and sin it's okay and you're still going to heaven <clears throat> That's never the Holy Spirit, ever. So God says, I'm going to rescue my people, and I'm going to set them free by telling them the truth. And the truth is going to convict them, and they're going to confess, and they're going to cry out, and they're going to weep at the altar, and they're going to be broken for the things that they have done. You know, King David was a very deceived man, the apple of God's eye, right? He was a very deceived man until Nathan, the true prophet, came and exposed him, and he cried cried out to God, and he repented. Thank God. And we know the rest of that story. So God says, I'm going to set them free. I will tear off the magic veils and save my people from your grasp. They will no longer be your victims. Now, we're going to talk about this in the New Testament in just a moment. How were these people victims? Well, the false prophets were telling them peace and safety while they were living in sin, and they would pay the prophets to tell them this. They pay the big motivational speakers to tell them lies. They tell them a gospel that is partially true but not completely true. Balance is the key to everything. So, there no longer be your victims, then you will know that I am the Lord. You have discouraged the righteous with your lies. See, righteous people are discouraged when lies are promoted. And when lies are promoted, it's not just a he said, she said, point the finger, let's have a division, who's right No, righteous people who have been made righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ, quite frankly, righteous people in the Old Testament who obeyed the law of the Lord and repented for any sin in their life, they felt the conviction of God. Righteous people are grieved by the lies, and that's what it says. You have discouraged the righteous with your lies because, hey, everybody else is out there sinning. You know, we're trying to, trying to be rigidly righteous and do what is right before God. And yet all these false prophets are telling these people that are unrighteous, that their unrighteousness is okay, and they're going to be afforded a salvation. So why should we even try? It's kind of like socialism. You know, you're in a classroom, and everybody's got to study for the test. You've heard this story. And there are a few people that are studying, laboring day and night, and they ace the test. They get 100. Then there are people that were smoking dope. They didn't study at all. They got an F. But because of the socialism, everybody gets the same grade. We're going to level it out to a B or a C. And so the people that studied were going, well, they failed, and yet they're getting the same grade we're getting. This is a discouragement. And it makes people think that are really running the race I'm repenting of everything. I'm closing the world out. I'm protecting within. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm, I, I'm in fellowship. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'm guarding my mind. I'm rebuking thoughts. I'm getting demons cast out of my soul. I'm laboring. Well, the guy next to him was like, that's such a waste of time, man. All that is just works. We're all going to heaven. Don't worry about it. That is a discouragement to the righteous. But I did not want them to be sad. This is what God said. You've discouraged the righteous, but I didn't want them to be sad. you discourage discouraged them with your lies. And you have encouraged the wicked by promising them life, even though they continue in their sins. Well, there is everything I've been saying is written right there. You actually discourage the righteous, You encourage the wicked by promising them life or salvation, even though they continue in their sins. That is just not the truth. It wasn't in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. Because of all this, you will no longer talk of seeing visions that you never saw, nor will you make predictions, for I will rescue my people from your grasp then you will know that I am the Lord. Do you know how many people are walking on this earth that have gone to a church or went to some big prophetic meeting that some man told them something? And most likely they were speaking to the soul, you know, like a psychic, rather than a spiritual man of God. You didn't have too many people coming to Prophet Samuel's meeting. When Prophet Samuel showed up, the people feared and said, are you here for good or evil? There were no big lines of people showing up to Samuel saying, prophesy over me, prophesy over me. Because they knew that Samuel would speak a word that would go deep into their hearts, right into their soul, right into their mind. And all this nonsense of soothsaying wouldn't have happened under his ministry or under Isaiah or under Ezekiel or under Jeremiah or under any true prophet of God, you didn't line up going, give me a word, because they would have given them a word, and if they were in sin, it wouldn't have been, the Lord bless you, and you're going to have all this great stuff, and you're going to be a great this and a great that. And and you notice today, that's basically what's coming out. Everything is great. Even America is great towards all these prophets that are prophesying. America is not great. America at one time boasted a glory and a righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not great today. America has fallen, and you may not like that, and you may be part of the convoy that's standing up over in D.C. right now saying we want to make America great again, and Donald J. Trump wanted to make America great again. But as one of our dear friends said, the only thing that ever made America great was Jesus Christ, was the gospel that was allowed and permitted in our schools and in our government. And the, the gospel that, and, and the republic that was given was from God. God is only what made America great. You can't make America great by getting the economy going and all the systems going, but yet you're still marrying men with men and women with women, murdering innocent babies, blasphemy coming out of Hollywood. No, those things were actually against the law earlier part of our generation. You weren't allowed to kill a baby. You weren't allowed to be a homosexual. You weren't allowed to have blasphemy come out of Hollywood. I mean, my goodness, gone with the winds. Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a darn. Well, that shocked the world. Are you kidding me? No, we have fallen so far from God's grace and God's intended purpose, and yet there's still people saying America's great. It's not great. It's not great. It's no greater than when Israel fell away from God and God said of Israel, you are Sodom and Gomorrah. You are Sodom and Gomorrah. You are Egypt. You are Babylon. In other words, Israel took on the identification of the four nations that were wicked, and they became twice as wicked because they knew better. They abandoned God for the false gods of paganism. This is reality. And yet the false prophets are saying, we're great. We're not great. And not until from the top to the bottom everybody hits their knees and begs god to forgive us for what we've done and i don't think that's going to happen there's no way i do not foresee that i foresee god saying to our nation which we've been prophesying for over 20 years these days that we're in right now would come and these are just the beginning of sorrows but anyways let's let the word continue to speak so he said on Because of all this, you will no longer talk of seeing visions that you never saw, nor will you make predictions, for I will rescue my people from your grasp. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Rescuing people from a false identity, false security, false salvation, false doctrine. God has ministries set up to deliver them from that. And yet the ministries that God is setting up to deliver people from their false ideas, like once saved, always saved or the pre-tribulational rapture, or Christians can't have demons and just your troubles are all psychological. God is rescuing people from these things. God is rescuing people that have been participating in sin. They were sitting in churches and there was no conviction. Nobody was challenging them. Nobody was calling them to repentance. They were just going through doing what they were doing. But as long as you kept giving the tithe, everything was okay. Nobody was asking questions. God has rescued people from that, through ministries that do question, that do probe, that do get in, that do teach true gospel messages, not denominational tunnel vision into what they believe the Bible says. This is God's work, and he's doing it to rescue all of us with a true salvation. Some people are waking up to the reality they were never saved. They were going to church for years, but were never saved. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. But it's really not all Old Testament. Let's go look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 and begin in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, this guy, he was right on with the Lord. He went through the school of Christ, and he came out on the other side shining gold, right? Real gold. And this man of God, Peter, he was all about the well-being of the ecclesia, the people of God. So he's writing letters to the to the people of his generation and no doubt these letters were written for you and i upon whom the end of the end of the end of the ages has come all right and he writes this in second peter chapter one verse one but there were also false prophets in israel so he's actually referring to what we were just reading in ezekiel chapter 13 and we could have we could have gone to a number of different passages in the old testament to teach the same thing it wasn't just in ezekiel that there were false prophets But he said, there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. Wow, so he's comparing what was going on in Israel with the church, the Israel of God, the new Jerusalem, the born-again people of God. Yes, the the born-again people that have been delivered from darkness into light, they've been translated out of death into life. They've been resurrected by a out-resurrection from among the spiritually dead. In this life, we've, God has been real. The heavens have opened. You're born again. You have a new nature. You're part of a church that belongs to the heavens. But even there, there will be false prophets and false teachers among you. So the church all over the world, this, this, this group of people, 2 billion, I don't know how many billions or How many people are believers in Jesus and go to churches? Uh, But there's only one true church. It's made up of people. It's not made up of brick and mortar. It's not what denomination you belong to or what size church you have. The church is made up of individual people, and God knows the name of every individual that has been set by the Holy Spirit to function and operate as a member of the body of Christ. God knows your name if you are part of his ecclesia. He knows the names of everybody on the planet that have ever been and will ever be, but he knows the people that belong to him, right? So in this church, Peter's saying, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies. That's what he said. There will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies, and even deny the master who bought them. Wow, I mean, their apostasy was great. Their trickery and craft was great. Their spellbinding doctrine, their spellbinding serpent-like tongue really spun a web on people's minds that they would actually deny the Lord Jesus Christ himself who bought them with his own blood. They would change that to mean something else, some esoteric, metaphysical, symbolic, you know, this wasn't real. It didn't really happen, but it's symbolic about, you know, they, they spun it. And then he went on to say that they had these cleverly destructive heresies. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching. Many, which means the plurist, the majority, many, a large amount will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Shameful immorality among the false prophets. All you have to do is go back 20 years and start marking. Go back 30 years, start marking. Go back 40 years, start marking. When all things began to change and um, shameful immorality, skirts have been lifted up all over this nation Okay, just in America, let's talk about our own country for a minute. How many of the pastors and the evangelists and the TV evangelists and the prophets have had their skirts lifted up? How many men and women have had the thousands line up before them to prophesy while they were the night before with homosexuals drinking alcohol, getting drunk? That was happening. How many uh, pastors and prophets and televangelists were preaching God's word and then were in hotels with prostitutes? How many uh, men have fallen from grace? How many people were doing shameful, immoral things while maintaining? I mean, the head of 30 million evangelical Christians in America is going to the masseuse, having sexual Things go on while he's taking crystal methamphetamine and then going before the thirty million evangelicals i mean i don't I don't want to empower Satan, but I'm just saying these people are written of in the Word of God they are written of in the word of god the the shameful immorality of those that are putting these mind binding spells on people in their evil doctrine their destructive teachings well he says many will follow their evil teaching. Many are following them. Once saved, always saved. On and on. Live the way you want. All people are going to be saved. Even the devil is going to be saved. Nothing to worry about here. Everything is good. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. So now, truth is slandered in our society. Truth is slandered wherever it's being preached, in a society of immorality and false teachers and false prophets. In their greed, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Well, that's the prosperity gospel in mass. That's the prosperity gospel, making up stories to get your money, preaching things that are even in the Bible, spinning them to get your money. I believe that true preachers, true true teachers and pastors and prophets and those, whoever they are that are serving at the altar and ministering at the altar, they are to be fed from the altar. There's no doubt about tithes and offerings. And I know people got some wild ideas about that, but that's not what we're going to talk about. But there are, be content with whatever God gives you, whether it be small or little, but you don't make up stories to get people to give you money by telling them what they want to hear. But that is what they do. No boy, no. It's been going on a long time, hasn't it? <clears throat> so in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Now, here's where I believe God is speaking prophetically to our generation. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of this unfold. I think we're going to start seeing more and more and more of it, because people are trying to keep that untempered wall, that flimsy wall of salvation, peace and safety, and they they put their whitewash all over it, making people believe that's the issue, and it's not. It's going to fall. And how is it going to fall? God says, "I'm sending my fury, my indignation, and my anger against it." And when I when I read that, what I hear in my spirit, what I see in my spirit, is God is going to unleash violence against this nation like nobody's ever dreamed. And all the propaganda, and all the fair speeches, and all the news media, and all their you see what they do is they say things to give people a perception or an idea of this is the way it is. We're too great to fall. We're too big to fall. We're too good to fall. And God has been saying all along, no, you're not. You've been falling since the day I began to truly speak to you. Okay? Verse 4. For God, this is New Testament, okay? For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 9 where a smoke of a furnace, a pit is opened, and these locust demons come out? There are demon, fallen angels, who have been locked up for this moment. Not the judgment against them. They're going to be used in the day of judgment. They're going to be unleashed all over this earth to do things that are unthinkable to human beings. And that's in Revelation chapter 9, and we better be sealed. And this false sense of security is going to be met with these kind of spiritual demonic activities. Very, very dangerous. Verse 5. And God did not spare the ancient world. Except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. The world was doing what the world is doing today. He was righteous. And there were a few others that were with him that were saved from the destruction that was coming. And now Peter's saying, hey, God did it back then. He's going to do it again. It says, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. That's what true men and women of God do in a sin-sick society. They don't cover it; they warn of the judgment that will come because of it. So God protected Noah when He destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now remember, in Second Peter chapter three, the next chapter here. Peter makes it very clear that the the world that was flooded in the days of Noah, today the world is reserved unto fire. This is nuclear war. This is burning. This is something in the atmosphere, not just symbolic. There's something that's going to actually happen. Like in the days of Noah, that flood was not symbolic. It was real. And this is the same thing where the world today is reserved on the fire. And we're, we're now watching the fire being set all around the world in the perimeter. And this thing's about to burn big. And it could happen any moment now, quite frankly. But there's, a, there's some stuff that has to go on. But he says that God's going to do the same thing then. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He condemned the cities. So why is Peter talking about this? And he turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Now, you see right there, and you'll find that same literature in that same writing in the book of Jude. God uses Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of anybody that would follow after them. America is Sodom and Gomorrah. So are other nations, but we're talking about the Judeo Christian nation that once was, that has now become Sodom and Gomorrah. The nation that once served the Lord in righteousness has turned to lies and has become what it is. But right here, It ought to give occasion for people to think. God said that Sodom and Gomorrah would be an example of what will happen. And what did happen to Sodom and Gomorrah? God sent fire from heaven and destroyed and wiped them out. There's not a trace, except for Lot's wife, a pillar of salt that turned back. It's the only surviving thing. Sodom and Gomorrah does not exist, not a trace of it. Some kind of nuclear bomb came down from heaven. Maybe an asteroid, only God knows, a comet, a fiery meteorite, something, a fire came from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says that's the example. How many cities in America are going to be nuked on the same day? How many cities in America are going to be nuked within a week? How many cities? God has warned, I'm going to destroy your cities if you follow the ways of Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet... Sodom and Gomorrah that's been promoted for years, 2015 became a reality. We're seven years into this now. And people start thinking God's not doing anything. God doesn't see. God doesn't hear. God's not going to do anything. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. This isn't the Old Testament. This is the New Testament, a warning of what God will do. And God will put a thought into someone's heart. And God will put a sword a sharp sword, a furbished sword, his sword into the hand of a slayer. God will do that. God will put his thought into the mind of a ten-horned beast in Revelation to fulfill his word by destroying mystery Babylon, burning her with fire and eating her flesh to fulfill his word. You don't think God could have somebody pull the trigger in the United States of America to start the burning? The kindling's already here. But to have the forest fire Burn, God can do that, but he is compassionate. He is merciful. He is loving, and he's been very patient. Do you think his patience has run thin? I do. In fact, I know, and it's almost like every moment of every day, there's this waiting within. Does that resonate with you right now? There's this waiting, not for peace and safety and everything to turn around and heroes coming in to save the day. No, 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 no. The only waiting that a righteous man or woman in this present society would have is for finally the judgment of God, the righteous judgment of God to come and do something about it through whatever mechanism he chooses, whether it's through a militia, whether it's through we, the people of the United States, whether it's through Russia, whether it's through an Islamic terrorist, whether it's through China, well, only God knows. But the righteous will be relieved at the righteous judgment of God. And that's what the righteous are waiting for. So it says that God set Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of what he will do or what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Are you sick and tired of the shameful immorality of the LGBTQ community flags that have taken over large swaths and portions of the United States of America? Are you sick and tired of the innocent blood that is being shed? Are you sick of the shameful immorality of national leaders going to Jeffrey Epstein's pedophile island eating the hearts of little babies, drinking their blood, coming out of Hollywood, are you not sick and tired of the blasphemy? Are are you okay with it? Then there's something wrong with you. That's something wrong with you. If this is okay, then there's something wrong with you. If you're at peace in this society, something's wrong with you. It says here that the man that God saved was what? He rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was, for, uh, was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. And you know what the danger was? You know why Abraham's intercession For Lot was so powerful, I believe just a few more days and Lot probably would have succumbed to the society's influence. I believe that Abraham's intercession for his nephew Lot was a saving grace that God sent those angels at that time to bring him out because of the intercession of Abraham. Because a few more days, a few more weeks, a little more time, that sick man and his soul over the filthy conduct would have eventually become like them would have capitulated his sons and his daughters may have his wife may have they may have been raped there would have been no angels to protect them in that homosexual community that lewd conduct of that environment oh i believe abraham's prayers were loud to deliver not only from that continual torment of the soul and that vile filth that was there but also to prevent him from becoming amen He tasted some of his own stuff. It's almost like the the sickness of the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah followed Lot and his two daughters up into the mountains. The sons didn't come out. The wife turned out and became a pillar. But those two daughters took their daddy up into the mountains, and daddy was up there, and they wound up having sexual intercourse with their father. It was like the sickness of Sodom and Gomorrah was on them, and while they were there and he got drunk, they sexually intercourse with their father and brought forth offspring. And I think this whole story is absolutely amazing. But what's the point? God is using these past examples to warn the present generation. So you see, Peter went on to say, The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from the trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. So, God is saying that a righteous remnant will be spared. A righteous remnant will be protected from the righteous judgment of God that comes upon the ungodly people. Now, during the great tribulation, when the wrath of the dragon is unveiled, he's coming against everything belonging to God. But even then, God has keeping power for those who love him, who are faithful to him, who honor him, who obey him. God has protection. For those who don't, there's not real protection. There's a cleansing that will come, and it will run deep, no doubt about it. It's especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire. So where sexuality... Or sexual immorality is running rampant within our nation and around the world and in the church today, where pornography is running rampant in the churches of America today. As a matter of fact, and I'm just going to be honest, and I humbly say this before the Lord, I had someone share with me that, listen, Pastor Vincent, there's not a man in your church that has not watched pornography in the last six months, including you. And I said, what? I said, I have not watched pornography for over 30 years. Not once. And I said that before the Lord, not once. And God forbid that the men in our church are watching pornography at least once every six months. I mean, I don't deny that maybe once or twice images came through, but I protected my computer, my phone. And when those things come through, they're gone, immediately gone. And that's in 30 years. But to sit down and watch pornography... No, what are you talking about? What she was saying is that's the the fact. And when I told her that, she said, well, then you're one of the very few. Well, I hope so. And I don't understand why every man that goes to church is not delivered from pornography yet. And I'm not boasting. This This is one of the most humbling things I'm saying because I don't want to get hit. You know what I mean? But I could say for 30 years, God has kept me from that. So God here says... He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire. So what about all the people that are watching pornography? God's hard on them. God's tough on all this stuff. He's tough on sodomites. He's tough on the the inhabitants of Gomorrah. He's tough on people that are involved in pornography and won't give it up, denying the power of God to give it up. And that's what they do. They hold on to their sin because they love it, and they deny the power of God to be able to get sanctified from it. So they keep on doing it, and they're under a delusion. And their day of accountability will come. This is just the word. This is not man's emotions. This is man's, God's word just being spoken by a man. So he goes on to say, no, we're not being self-righteous. We're not exalting ourselves. We're, we're in, in the fear of the Lord declaring, you don't have to sin. You don't have to be a part of the general majority of people that are doing what is wrong. And I don't know why all of God's people aren't doing what is right. Do you understand why God's people just won't do what's right? Maybe it's because they were told Christians don't have demons, so they're demon-possessed, and they're not getting through. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe they're told that, hey, once you're saved and believe in Jesus, nothing you can do to condemn that salvation. So they just don't have a real desire to give it up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Anyways, not only is he especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire, but also on who despise authority, who despise authority. And the authority he's talking about is biblical authority, God-given authority, true spiritual authority. Now, listen to what he says. Now, this is all in the chapter that all of this is because of false teachers. All of this is because of false prophets who are prophesying lies to people that are living in sin. That's what this whole chapter is about. These people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. All right, so. Proud and arrogant, not the righteous who are doing what is right. Those who are doing what is right are not the proud and the arrogant. It's the people that are doing wrong that are the proud and the arrogant. Verse 11, but the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. That's a a pretty hard thing to to get into, and I don't want to get into it right now. But there's, there's some good teaching in that. Verse 12. These false teachers are like unthinking animals. Creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand. And like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. Hmm. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. Oh, so now he's saying these people are right among the church. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. You know, and that's the crazy thing. They're doing it right in the midst of the church. And that breeds infection. That's why leadership has to confront, and the Word of God needs to confront, so that at least if the Word is spoken, God can expose. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor. So they were on the right road. They started right, but they wandered off these false prophets, these false teachers, and they wound up doing what Balaam did, the son of Boer, or Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. Again, their ministry turned to the gain of money. What do I have to say to get the money? What do I have to do to get the money? Why well, do I get the money? What do I say? How do I soothe? Say it. They followed them. And this is a ministry. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. We remember the story. These people are as useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. Now listen, in the book of Ezekiel, God said, I'm going to save my people from these people, these false prophets, these false prophetesses, these false teachers. I'm going to save my people from them. They're doomed. God has set up ministries in the earth to deliver people from the snare, not of the world, but of the churches they've been going to. People have been going to churches that have ensnared their souls, and they don't see it. They don't get it because they've been told once saved, always saved. You're going to fly away before anything bad happens. You can live in sin and be okay. saying, you know, you're, you're the redeemed of the Lord. You are, you know, you're the heirs of God. You're the joint heirs of Jesus. You're under grace. They hear these words, but there's nothing that has ever brought them to conviction, confession, and repentance from sin in their lives. So God has ministries in the earth that are not popular that are there to deliver people from the insanity of false doctrine. Soothsaying, peace and safety teaching, victimization. Just come to the church so I can get your money. There are places that don't operate that way. New Wine Ministries is one of those places. And the gates of hell don't, don't like it very much because they don't like people stepping in and getting delivered and set free from the lie that would damn their souls forever. So there's warfare, and we're not perfect, but the word of God is true in this house. And I thank God, and I have to believe, around the world, there are ministries that are solid. They're not flimsy. And they teach the solid word of God for the well-being of people's souls that have been engaged and involved and have been stuck in this sloppy, agape, and greasy grace and that were dying, and if they died in that condition, were never saved. God's rescuing people. And this has to happen. And maybe you're one of those people that God's going to touch and raise up to become one of the true ministers of God in the last days. Not to have a big church, but to have a place of refuge for souls that need to be saved and delivered from all this garbage. The false prophets are doomed to the blackest of darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. God forbid we're not bragging about ourselves as false prophets teaching lies. That's for people to do that. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. This is who he's talking about. There's no salvation in the churches to promote lies. They promise freedom. Hey, come to our church, you'll be free. But they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. So they do the same things. And they teach other people to do the same things. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. We agree. May we be slaves of Jesus Christ, controlled by the word of God, obeying what the word of God says to do. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get uh, tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. What did that just say? He said, they promise freedom. Churches that we've been talking about, false prophets, false teachers. But they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. If sin controls you, then you're a slave to sin, right? Romans 6, we're no longer to be slaves to sin. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world, Ah, I came out of the world by knowing our lord and savior jesus christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again because the false teachers are soft on it they say it's okay because they're lewd themselves they are worse off than before it would be better if they have never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. It'd been better them to never know the way of truth. They proved the truth of this proverb: "A dog returns to his vomit, and another says, "A washed pig returns to the mud." Is there salvation in a dog returning to his vomit? Is there salvation in a pig returning to its mud? Why? Because it's their nature to do it, right? That's the nature of a dog. It's the nature of a pig to go back to their natural ways. A born-again, spirit-filled Christian that gets delivered from the wickedness of the world and is trained up properly in the Lord, they never go back to the filthy things. But there are people that have been their whole life in churches that keep going back again again and again and again and again and again because of the doctrine that they're hearing. They're under false doctrine. They're under false teaching, which produces a false spirit of peace and safety. We have a make-believe salvation. We have a tempered wall with whitewash on it, and we're all whitewashed Christians. Why are we talking about this today? Because God wants to, number one. We've got to make sure of our salvation. We have to secure our salvation in a sin-sick world of apostasy and falling away and all the things the Bible said. We have to make sure. That we're really saved. We need to judge our own actions. We need to take thought every, uh, every, every thought, take, take captive every thought that comes into our mind. We need to make sure that we're, we're, we're being filled with the glory and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We need to know that there's a new nature inside of us, that we're not going back to the old sinful nature, We're living out of a new nature. We're we're growing. We're developing. We're becoming quality. We're not just quantity. We're quality, fruitful heirs of salvation, the true overcomers, not make-believe ones, talking about it but not acting like it. We must be what the Word of God says if we're true. And if we're not, it doesn't matter. We can fool the whole world right now. But on the day of judgment, we will not fool God. And that is the truth. So what do I need to do? Confess, repent, get into my heart. Dear God, don't leave me without light. And God forbid you give me false light. God forbid you you have somebody telling me, oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. It's all right. You know, don't worry about it. You're saved. My God, where is the fear of the Lord? So why are we talking about it? Because everything's about to explode. Death is going to prowl this nation. Death is coming on this earth. Death is coming. Death. And the question is, are we ready for death? I know we want to be spared and saved, and if we're righteous, we will before God. And even if we're not, we'll be martyrs and please God that way. It won't matter to us. We're not afraid of death. We're not subject to the fear of death anymore. Death means nothing to the righteous. Nothing. The only reason why we should want to live now is to do more for God so that we get more rewards. We want to do more for God. Man, you got to get out there. You got to stop being stagnant, right? Get out there and do something. Save a soul. Preach the gospel. Help the poor. Feed the hungry. Take care of the widows and the orphans. Do something to get more rewards. That's why we want to live longer. That's why we want more time. I want to do more for God on this earth. I want to preach louder. I want to preach better. I want to go farther. I want to tell the world the truth of God's word so that people will hear it and be saved and repent and be convinced and get into fellowship. And then maybe fellowships will break out into God's coming in his presence and his refreshing in those fellowships. And the glory of God will be magnified in those fellowships not an American revival the way we've known it, but the glory of God in homes. The glory of God in little places here and there. The glory of God. We don't want their metaverse. We don't want their filth. We don't want their pornography. We don't want their garbage. We don't want it. We, don't, we want it out of the house. But it's the dragon out of his mouth goes forth a flood of iniquity to carry the woman away. The believer's away, right? But the earth opens its mouth and swallows up the flood, and the earth has swallowed up the flood of iniquity and lewdness and filth and defilement and corruption and depravity and mass. And you and I, who are the true ones, are escaping that flood because we're doing what is right by the grace of God. Now, I'm not an advocate of religious rigidity. I want, you to, I want to say something very clearly now. I do not advocate religious rigidity. I advocate righteous rigidity. Doing what is right so that the blessing of God, it comes on your life. And when the blessing of God is on your life, it's better than any lewd thing could ever be because it feels so good to do what is right, to have the favor of God on your life. God will enlarge the steps beneath you. You won't get into religious morbidism or morbidity, you'll get into righteous release, and the joy of the Lord, and the kingdom of God, and you'll run fearlessly throughout the earth, and live an abundant life, and a quality of life, and you'll serve the Lord, you won't touch the unclean thing, because you love the Father, you love righteousness, you love purity, you love cleanness, you love holiness, you love all the good stuff, and you could be as bold as a lion. You can run like a lion through the earth. God tells you to show up somewhere. Show up with all confidence. This is good. But unrighteousness that is pretending to be righteous is an abomination to the Lord. So I don't talk about getting all into, you know, biting your finger. I'm walking on eggshells. I'm not talking about that. Because when you really repent and you see sin the way that God sees sin and you hate sin the way that God hates sin, you're the freest person on this earth because now you could live without the power of sin and you recognize the demons and you recognize the devil and you recognize the setups and you start adjusting mentally, spiritually with the word of God and you understand the devil's trying and you don't want to get into the trap so you start doing stuff. It needs to be done, and it's a battle, it's a war, it's a fight, but it's a good one, and we have the promise of the victory. So what does this have to do with the convoy? What does this have to do with uh, the Khazarian Mafia? What does this have to do with the Ukrainian-Russian war? What does this have to do with, you know, the lights out, the 5G towers, the metaverse? What does it have to do with gene manipulation and hacking the human brain and bringing people into a digital currency and all this? All it's saying, man, is get saved so that when these things come, we will go through. These things that are coming... Population reduction. I mean, four billion people are ready to leave this planet in death, in famine, in sickness. The gasoline prices are hitting seven bucks a gallon in some states already. The price of food is going to soar. The quality of food is going to be diminished. I mean, it's going to get really difficult, and more people are going to become more desperate And when you get very desperate and then sickness comes along and people don't have, now more crime is going to come. And before you know it, people are going to be stealing from people's homes, breaking into their houses, going into neighborhoods. They're going to actually kill people. It's going to become a nightmare upon a nation that has offended God to the degree that we have. And we have sought to warn this nation to prepare, to get out of the way and prepare. And to get yourself in a good place, not out of fear and just military might, but get around solid Christians who understand salvation, who walk in the fear of the Lord. who have an abundant life and are full of the joy of the Lord, having a great time with Jesus in the kingdom of God in righteousness, not in pretense. And then get ready for the storm is coming. The reason why they showed the walking dead for so long, because that's this nation. They're showing a preview of the walking dead, what's going to happen in this country and all over the world. The lights are going out. Death is coming. Be sure about it. When? You may look out and outside. I don't see that. So nobody saw it on Tuesday, 9-11-2001, a bright sunny day in New York City. Nobody saw that until all of a sudden the world changed. Not only were people killed, but the world changed. What just happened in 2020, 2021, 2022? They were just beginning. The world changed again. And now they're doing these, 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 these simulations of war. They're going to reduce the population of the earth with war. I don't care if Russia, Ukraine, however they're spinning it in propaganda. If it's not that one, it'll be another one. But right now, Bible prophecy, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And times. We're here. Read the signs. The black horse of famine. Economic imbalance. It's already left the gates. See, I believe the four horses of Revelation 6, they've already left the gates. But the Bible says they ride until the very end that's in zechariah chapter 10 so there will continually be conquering he went forth conquering to conquer uh there'll be continuing famine continuing war civil war revolutionary war global world war III. but it's going to intensify global economic collapses global more intense collapses do you realize the people that are being fleeced right now by all this make-believe stuff that's going on, using the crises? You know, we've been talking a lot about world rulers, but something's stirring, and you really do hope that people will wake up and who knows where it's all going to go. But your, your soul is the most important thing. And that doesn't mean that you bail out of all the things that we need to be aware of. It means that you could view them through a cleansed conscience, You can view them through a clean heart, a clean soul. We're not trying to be religious, holier than thou, self-righteous, pointing a rigid finger at anything. It's just a fact. The Bible talked about it in Ezekiel. Peter talked about it in his day. It's here today. And we need to walk this salvation and work it out in truth. Because if we die today, then life is over here on earth. How many people do you know that were merrily going down the road of life and in one hour they were dead? They were gone. Was it a car wreck? Was it a virus disease? Did they get shot in a mall, in a theater, at a school? Did they die in... And- Tower in new york city or did they crash in an airplane over pennsylvania or they had a concert in las vegas nevada and were shot and killed by a sniper or whoever it was or whoever they were life is fragile did they go to church in a little baptist church in texas and a man walk into the church and open fire and kill 26 people did they expect it that day nobody knows you and I must live today, and isn't there a desire, and you going, God, I've got to find somebody to share the good news with. Lord, I need to find somewhere to serve. I need to help somebody. Some of you might even say, you know, this is good preaching. We need to help this guy stay on the air or whatever. That's the truth. No, no problem. No problems. We're content. No problems. But I'm just saying there are ways to get out there and serve. Take care of ministries that are taking care of people, that are bringing the truth, that are bringing the gospel, are helping. Do something today, in other words. Live your life. Give to, if you like Samaritan's first. give to them. I kind of like Voice of the Martyrs. I like giving to the Voice of the Martyrs. That's where I like to give. I have a very difficult time sometimes wondering, who do I give to? Because there's not too many people that are feeding into my life or speaking into my life, not too many at all. I don't watch too much Christian television because some of it is it's leaky. Sometimes it's good. If you belong to a local assembly, so into it, for goodness sake. But also develop ministries within that ministry. Feed the homeless. I want to take some people out on the streets. I want to get out on the streets and just go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And, you know, it's not so big of a deal, you seem, in northwest Arkansas. You know, I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. That's That's tough. You get out there and start getting on the streets with the gospel. Or L.A. or San Diego, right? Chicago. But there's still people that need salvation. Do something. One day at a time. There's enough evil in one day. Do something today. With your soul, your salvation, get right before God. Receive the mercy of God and the blood and the love and the grace and the mercy and forgiveness of God. And then go out and say, Lord, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. If I go to the store today, and there's someone there. I go to the bank today, there's someone there. I go out and I I do some activity. I'm going to work today, someone's there. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, but I want to be available. I just want to be active. And if God just wants to walk in the calm of the day and in the cool of the day and, and just minister to your heart, let him do it. You want to just worship God today and sing songs to him all day long and minister to him? Then just do it. Just move and let life take place. You are on a journey. We are all on a journey. And we don't know when it will end. But let us finish our race in sincerity. Let us finish our race Strong. let us get better not worse in these last days let us get stronger not weaker in these last days let us get holier not more evil in these last days let us put on christ in these last days so that whatever we do we'll give god the glory and we'll do it better than we've ever done it before let everything we do do as unto the lord which means if you're doing something that lord wouldn't appreciate then don't do it but appreciate and value, give thanks to God for everything. Now that's it for me. I think I've talked a little bit long today. Thank you, Lord. All right. So I want to give you a telephone number right now. I should have done it at the very beginning. I am so sorry. My wife would say, Vincent, if you had a brain, you'd take it out and play with it sometimes. All right. Call 479, it's on the screen right now. Call 479-233-3774 for prayer. If you need prayer, you've heard something today. I, I, you know, this is just God's heart, I believe, being poured out to you. If you're struggling with sin, if you're in some addiction and you have been denying the power of God or you've been under the spell of witchcraft doctrines of peace and safety and everything's okay, and you've been jerked or shaken awake, what you heard today call the number on the screen right now 479 3774 and there's somebody there waiting for you to pray with you or you could text that number 479 3774 i guarantee you the person on the other side of that call is walking in the integrity of the gospel of jesus christ and we'll pray for you to get you where you need to be. If you have uh, an illness, if you have a relational problem, uh, you have a financial problem, whatever it is, give a call. You need prayer for anything, anything. Call that number, 479 3774 or text that number, and they'll get back with you. The Telephone lines are open if you'd like to call into the broadcast today. If you heard something, you have something you'd like to share, a number to call, 818-369-0326. Let me put that up on the screen as well. 818-369-0326. Why can't I find it? I can never find it. Isn't that funny? All right. Where are you? I don't know where I put it. Anyways. I think it's just this? Oh, there it is, right here. Call into the broadcast 818-369-0326. Press one on your dial pad. So, how do we balance today's message? I, I always want it to be balanced. What did you hear? What did I hear? What am I? What is, what's in my heart about what I heard? I want to tell you something. When uh, do you remember the story? When I know you do. On Jesus's last night of his life. He was having dinner with his disciples. And at one moment during the dinner, Jesus turned and said, one of you is going to betray me. Every time I ever heard that story, I would get this fear would come into my spirit. And I noted that the disciples the same way. They said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it me? Am I going to betray you? When Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. Three times you're going to deny me. Lord, I'll go with you to death. No, you're going to deny me. And so there's this fear of, my God. And the disciples were saying this. Will I be the one to betray you? Am I going to deny you? Am I going to fall away? Is it me? Did I, is any of this for me? That's always my heart. I'm, I, I, I view myself through scripture and preaching, because and I know it's a double-edged sword, and I, I'm always asking, is it me? Is there anything? Is there there? Anything. Am I being set up? Am I being proud? Is there anything, Lord? Always searching. Always. It's just there all the time. And you know what? I've learned to be okay with that. And I've just learned to be okay with that. And, you know, because take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall, right? That's what the Word of God says. Uh, Watch out when you, I will never go, I will never do. No, 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 no. Who knows how difficult the days would be if the Lord took away his hedge from you and me? Come on. So we thank God for the grace that's around our lives. But maybe today you heard something, and what did you hear? Here's what I heard. I heard the Spirit of the Lord pleading with someone encouraging others to keep doing what you're doing, stay the course, and convicting others who have been really taking this walk lightly. And then me viewing myself, of course, but I what I heard was not guilt, shame, condemnation. What I heard was truth, but the heart of God's love reaching out. That's what's in my heart. Reaching out. You've been a false prophet, you've been soothed saying, repent. Stop it. You're a pastor of a church and you're telling everybody smooth things because you're getting the tithe and you don't want to step on people's toes? Stop it. It really doesn't matter if everybody on this planet hates you, but God loves you and, and appreciates what you're doing. It's the only thing that matters in the long run. you been a false teacher. You've been putting magic spells. You've been deceitful. Repent if you can. Repent. If you love lies and you love people telling you lies, repent and beg God for the truth, right? Isn't that the right thing to do with this? I'm certainly not going to condemn anybody to, that's it, you've done this, you're dead. I warn people, but God's the judge, and God condemns. But I would warn everybody, don't love lies. Don't tell lies. Keep it real, right? That's what I heard today. What did you hear? What did you hear? God does love every human being on this earth, but he knows more than we know. All I know is at the end of the day, I want to be with him. I want to be with Jesus, Yeshua. I want to see his eyes. I want to look at his face. I want to be in my father's lap. I want to sit with him. I want his love to permeate every cell of my existence, whatever body I'm going to have. Because I don't think in these bodies you could stand the presence of God. But he's given us bodies that we'll be able to interact with and intercourse with his spirit. I love that union with Christ. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. I don't want to just be hanging out in paradise. (laughs) I mean, it's a cool place. It's got to be more intimate than that. I don't want to just go to heaven. I don't want to sit on a cloud and play a harp. I don't even know how to play a harp. I want to be with my father, my creator, the originator of my existence. I want to be with him, and I want to please him. I want to please him like a son wants to please his father. Uh, you know, the young ladies, the, 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 little, the daughters of the Lord, they want to run with their daddy into his arms. They want to giggle with him. They want to be with him. Don't you just want to be with him? He's cooler than the devil, let me tell you that. He's wiser than the men of this world, and he's got a great sense of humor. In fact, in Psalm chapter 2, he's going to laugh at all these world rulers in their degrading ways. God's got a sense of humor. He knows how to play hide and seek with the Pharisees. I want to be with him. I love his joy. I love his presence. I've tasted it. Have you not tasted that the Lord is good? Have you ever been in the presence of God where it makes chill bumps look silly? I mean, where the glory of God is just pounding in your being? God's love is so great, and he loves us. He died for us. He gave his son for us. And we're not perfect people, but he's bringing us to a completion of quality, right? And he wants to show himself in us. He wants to, but we're so distracted sometimes, huh? We get so distracted and we don't spend a lot of time. I want to get away right now. I want to just go away. I want to find a a mountaintop and I want to be quiet. I want to leave the phone behind, the computer behind. I'm ready for another transfiguration. That's how I feel in my heart. Lord, I feel like... There's radio waves all around me. I feel like even when I go to sleep, there's, there's buzz in the atmosphere. I feel like there's noise everywhere. God, I've got to get away. I want to go to the Black Hills of South Dakota. I want to just be away and alone with God, don't you? I mean, Jesus, how often did he just get away so he can hear again? Do you need to hear again? Hey, men, do you want to go out on a men's retreat so we're not out there alone? You want to go together and let's get out into the mountains, shut down everything, get our 10 sleeping bags, have some fellowship, but spend hours just being alone with God and then reconnecting and having a meal and having a great time? Let's have a, a, a getaway so that the men of God can hear, so that the prophetic unction and the gifting in your soul can be stirred to life, your apostolic gifting. Your prophetic gifting, your pastoral gifting, your evangelistic gifting, your teaching and gifting. Just get with God to hear something from God. I think we need that. I'm calling for it right now. If any man is out there that wants to get away and and the New Wine Ministry, let's go somewhere. I mean, we love to have a good time. You know, there are things we love to do. But what about just getting to the mountains? I mean, why not go to the Black Hills? Into, into Yosemite and into the Tetons again. Let's get out there. Let's be men again. Let's get away from this, this snare so that we could be a help to our families and, our, and the people in our churches. I'm not talking about vacation. I'm talking about desperation here. I think we need to pack up our stuff and I think we need to get away. The last time I did this, I was begging for transfiguration and I wound up going with Pastor Ken and my grandson Chandler, and we found ourselves in all these places I'm telling you about. And then I found myself on the side of a mountain on the Tetons. And God got something out of me that day, a father wound that needed to be dealt with. I'm ready for another one. I don't even know what it is. I just feel like there's these, these energy ropes, these energy chains in the spiritual realm or in the solical realm, and they're buzzed, and I hear their sound, and there, there, there's something something's just there. And I just want to get away and i need to i need to rehabilitate and get quiet because it's the phone it's the computer it's the it's it's this it's that it's this it's that it's just need to get away not run away not hide Jesus got away with the father Peter went up into a housetop sat on the roof away from everything just to here, and God gave him a vision that was brought up in our Bible study last night. Prophets of God would go to the mountains. They would spend time with God. I want to spend time with God, but I would love to have my brothers go with me. And everybody, you know, travel together. There's, this, there's, there's safety in that. You know, get out there and, and be men. And, you know, you have a campsite and then everybody break out for a few hours. Go your way. Sit down and break bread later on and enjoy things and live life. I don't want to be caught in a snare, a digital snare, a radio wave snare. I just don't want to get caught. I've got a call coming in. Let me take the call. Let me say good morning to area code 417. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air
1: good morning um i hear I hear the call um to you know check our hearts make sure that they're right um before because we just we don't know you know word we just don't know when our last breath is gonna be um I wanted to make comment on uh the what you had mentioned earlier about um the the accusation, the spirit of the spirit that was accusing of um, pornography towards you and and the other men in New Wine Ministry. What I want to say on that is, I've been with this ministry for over 18 years, and I know there are others longer. And from the word, and I'm looking at the fruit from the word. You and Pastor Pat have always promoted from the word and lived out from the word righteousness. And if you have, if there was any kind of sin of any level of any sort, you and Pastor Pat have always been quick to get before the body and, and confess and, I've watched this over 18 years, and both of you from the Word have advocated. This is this is what God calls us to do, and it's right. And power of the Holy Spirit is strengthening, is getting stronger. It's getting stronger and more stronger, and and the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and that there would be such a uncomfortableness within the body that it would have to be, it would have to manifest. It would have to be made known. And we have seen over the years where warnings have gone out by and through the power of the Holy Spirit to say, look, there's something going on and warnings went out and, and, then situations were brought out into the open and were rightfully dealt with, and this is the word of God. Um, so I want to encourage um, that in the pursuit for all of us for, for righteousness, for righteousness, and I and for the enemy trying to speak through and accuse as a body, we we look at the fruit. A tree shall be known by its fruit, and I believe the weightiness of the Holy Spirit, especially in the days that we're moving into ahead, that the the uh, the church in Acts where Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and dropped dead, and I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is gr- growing even more immensely within new wine ministry and bringing us to a greater oneness um, according to God's word. And so I just want to encourage new wine ministry with that, that if there is any sin within our hearts that it's quickly confessed, quick, quickly dealt with, um, because we do want to pursue Holiness and righteousness, God's heart, the things of God's heart, and and um, keep on, keeping it on. God bless you all.
2: Great uh, exhortation and admonition. That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, and that's a great call. That's a great call. Thank you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. The number is open eight one eight three six nine zero three two six. Um, okay, we've done a lot of outpouring. Let me go to our, our chat room here and say good morning to Joyce. Young Joyce, good morning to you, dear sister. God bless you. Cindy Messman, God bless you. These are incredible sisters in the Lord. Pastor Melissa Fletcher, good morning. God bless you. Uh, Michaela Johanan, that's Michael V. God bless you, brother. I hope you're doing good. Uh, Pastor Denny Sossaman, good morning. Kingdom Saints, praise the Lord. For Pastor D uh kevin hauger good morning the guy that's behind the scenes in this ministry taking care of all the technical stuff most of the time he's driving around uh brother terry i believe it is good morning i call them almost a christian uh like the king said almost convinced me to be a christian these christians in love with idea of heaven but won't lay it all have this peace all but wow that's well said terry i like that that'll preach praise the lord um Okay, Steve Quayle talking to Hagman and says, Great Reset begins the Great Tribulation. Didn't elaborate. Burnside, next two weeks will be critical. Stan of Prophecy Club said to watch March 17th. Yeah, I heard that last night as well, by the way. Uh, Myself, I see the famine coming quickly. Steve called it Operation Sandman. 143 countries will drop the petrodollar at once. This will be black swan dollar worthless. A bucket of won't buy a cracker. I believe that's true. Well said. Gabriel Smith is on with us today. Uh, These are the ones who tolerate that woman Jezebel. They say they are operating in the authentic anointing, but they are under the seducing power of her destruction as she exploits their gifting, which are given without repentance. Well said. Brother Gabriel, that's awesome. Chuck Eastridge, I lost my daughter in an instant car crash. It is so fragile. I'm so sorry to hear that, Chuck. God bless your heart, my friend. God bless your heart. May she be one of your rewards in heaven. In Jesus' name. Cindy Messman, awesome teaching. Thank you, Cindy. Jay Grassi, I love your family and your encouraging preaching. I think this is our sister Janet. God bless you, Janet. We appreciate and value you as well. You're such a a blessing to us. Uh, Chuck Eastridge, uh, really learned so much from your teaching. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I'm sure we could all teach one another. Praise God. Um, Terry says, look up White Rock, okay, mountains right there south of you, love to go for a weekend learning. All right, praise God, appreciate that. Maybe we're going to get a trip out of this and go to the mountains. Come on, guys, let's go, we'll love it. Hike the mountains, let's go. Chuck Easter is a true leader, not just a talker, love the realness of this pastor. Wow, that's humbling, thank you. God bless you, Chuck, can't wait to meet you one day. Uh, Jesse Jernigan. Hello, Pastor. Hello, Jesse. You know, Jesse, I was thinking about your husband, Charles. Um, You know, I can't wait to hear his testimony. He's going to be coming up. And he and I were talking about getting out on the streets and just talking to people that are out on the streets. We want to start a street ministry uh, because that's where the action really is. We'll get out there. We'll talk about it. So anybody that wants to get ready or organize that street Uh, ministry and and pick a place and a time and we'll get out there and we'll just walk and we'll start talking to people who are out there. I think it needs to be a little warmer, but we'll do it in due season, right? Whenever God says. So having said all of that, folks, I poured uh, everything out that God put in my heart. Um, So what can we say? We've got a little time and maybe I'll just say thank you for all the kind words that you spoke here. I just sense that a refueling is coming. I like that, a refueling. And we'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless you. You've been listening to The Watchman on Omega Radio, and there are many Watchmen out there. I want to bless all the truck drivers that are out there today, whether they're part of the convoy or not. I want to bless the people that are wanting to stand up. I want to pray for their souls. I want to pray for their salvation. I want to pray. There's so many things to pray for on this physical plane, this earth experience of things that are going on, because we are real people and real physical bodies. It is true. We need to eat and drink and have shelter and work, pay our bills. I mean, that's part of this reality. And uh, we want to be involved in the right things. And for those that were led to be a part of the demonstration, the news media has completely blacked out what is going on. But the information is getting out little by little on the social networks. So, see you tomorrow. God bless.
0: Have a great day. We love you.